in today's show. We're talking NBA draft with, you might know him as Brian J. Draft. Brian Schroeder. We're going to be talking about a number of prospects. You're going to be really excited. Jaden Ivey, Jabari Smith, Kai Soto. Yes, we're going to talk about him as well. Michael Bolton. We're not going to talk about him, but he's going to listen in. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Bring home a slam dunk. Introducing NBA Jam Shaq Edition from Arcade One Up. Pre-order now to play with legends. Arcade One Up is the place for authentic gaming experiences featuring licensed retro games from the golden age of arcades. Check them out. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Yesterday, we did a mock draft, mock draft 3.0. That's the last mock draft for this week. There'll be more next week as we head into NBA Draft Week. But now, we're going to talk NBA Draft Prospects. So, hey, what do you reckon? Warney, where are you? Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's bring him back in. Brian, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. We're a week and a bit away here from the NBA draft. We're going to dig into some prospects. And as I've been doing with uh, everyone who's been coming on and talking the NBA draft, we start off with a question. And that question is a player who you are higher on than the general NBA draft consensus. And you have gone with Jaden Ivey, a I guess routinely mocked uh, or mocked in the top four uh, of this NBA draft, a six foot four, 20 year old guard out of Purdue. So if he's routinely mocked, usually at number four, and you're higher on him, how high are you? As high as you can be. Ooh. Um, I mean, it's it's tough. It's more of a um, my kind of personal rule. If I have two prospects, or in this case, four prospects, kind of at the same level, I'm just gonna go with the guy who will have the ball the most. That's my per- that's why I had Cunningham over Mobley last year, because those players end up being the most impactful players. I mean, that's just how it works. And I think that Ivy, his athleticism is high enough, but it's not like he doesn't have a skill, pretty high skill floor. And I just feel like he has a, a level. He did it a few times. There's an Illinois game, I remember, a Michigan game. Those are the two that really stand out where he just sort of decided the game was over and just made four or five straight plays where it just ended the game. <clears throat> and I feel like a 6'4", 195-pound guy with a 6'9 wingspan, I mean, that's almost exactly John Wall's measurables. I think he can be that. What's, and, like, that's a good player. Is he Is he a point guard, though? Look, what's his... I think so. Okay, so is he a point guard level, like a point guard player like a Ja Morant who is got the, the high-level passing skills as well as the mm. high-usage ball control. Is his passing up, look, he averaged three assists and 2.6 turnovers last season, which is not great. It's not a great assist-to-turnover ratio. Can he be a guy that is more selective and more creative for others, or is he going to be more of that higher usage, not as creating for others sort of player? Uh, kind of a mix. I think 
part of the thing is uh, Purdue had a very egalitarian system. They always do. Trayvon Williams was like their main assist guy. They don't really have like they didn't run as much straight pick and roll with him as I think they should have. They have too many set plays for Stefanovic and and Eric Hunter and all these other good, fine players. You no know, good college players, but and they also Purdue is you know they I think they post up as much as anyone in college basketball. And when you have two good centers, I mean, it makes sense. But I, I think he can run a lot of. I mean, I think any kind of high pick and roll. If you're not at the level with him, or if you're if you're at the level or or, or higher on him, if you're not guard, if you don't have like Evan Mobley out there defending him. If it's a one five, that you're, he's he's in the paint. Like that's really what it is for me. Is he has such great burst and ability to get, just get to his spots. I mean, one of the weird criticisms of him was he he doesn't take a lot of eight to fifteen footers, and like you want to see that, sure. But like, why not take layups if you can get layups? Yeah, is, can, is really exactly. the thing with him. And I, I think he can run all that. He's already improved. I think over the season, he he's very obviously a guy who never had to slow down. Kind of the Russell Westbrook thing. Like he'd always go as fast as he wanted. And he's already figured out like how to get to his spots, how to get bigs out towards him. He tortured Kofi Coburn when they played Illinois. Just torched him over and over. And that's, you know, Kofi Coburn's probably not an NBA player for that reason. But I think he can do these things. I think he's a fine passer, not really anything spectacular. But I think... Also, how the Valley NBA works now, you can have multiple ball handlers. I think he's your rim guy. He's your rim pressure guy, and I think he could be one of the 10 best guys in the league at that, just getting into the paint. And I, I think that's enough to make you a a guard. He's not like a two-guard. He's not like a Beal-type guy where he, he just pounds the ball in the perimeter over and over. In terms of, yeah, I said this on my show yesterday, talking about guys who sort of, come from nowhere from freshman year to sophomore year like they're, they're as a, a freshman and they're playing limited minutes and then they move into a sophomore and they step up and they're in this top four discussion and i always have a level of skepticism more so when guys do it yeah you know, they struggle for freshmores and freshmen and sophomores and then as seniors they dominate. yeah, I yeah. Go, okay well that's a real problem so what was the issue with him as a freshman why did he not declare for the draft why was he not able to be at that level as his first year as so many of these other high level players are i think if he declared last year i probably would have still had him in the top the first round ish i mean i had dacia nicks in the first round last year was not a deep draft i, I like dacia nicks a lot i think he could be decent but he was not exactly impressive for a lot of his g league run um i just think he didn't know how to run you know he was just a straight the problem too and this this is the class that we're really seeing Adrian griffin's a good example these are the guys who lost their junior or senior years oh, yeah. to COVID. Yep. And a lot of these guys are way behind. I think that's one of the reasons Keegan Murray was ahead because he's older and just knew what he was doing. But there's an interesting uh, Ivy, Johnny Davis. Let's see. Adam Miller was on that team. But there, there were five or six current guys who were giving this draft on the FIBA U19 Americas team. Ty-Ty? And Every single one of those guys came back stronger, except maybe Ted Holmgren because he was already kind of where he was. Yep. But that seems to be a recurring thing because that happened in the the two years ago in in the 2019 game. Uh, Tyrus Halliburton was on that team, and that second year was his big year. He really jumped up, and he was playing with Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes, and was 
the one of the three main guys on the team, which is impressive. That should have been a sign that he was probably worth a top ten pick. Yeah, uh, I remember that uh, that under nineteen uh, run from Halliburton where he was. Yeah, obviously really really impressive. Then he's had a, obviously a great start to his career. Before we talk about the player Brian that you are a little bit lower on than consensus, I've got to tell you guys about some big news. You all know NBA Jam, Brian. You would have played NBA Jam plenty of times, and it is back. Arcade One Up is the leader in at-home retro arcade games. It's the best game ever, NBA Jam, and it's back, and you can get it in your house in the old arcade deck. The old Shack Edition machine is coming. We, uh, who is your favorite NBA Jam um, combo, Brian? Um, I mean, if I don't say Jordan Pippen, I think I'll I'll be banned. From Wall's Twitter. Not a big Mike uh, Uzzolino guy in uh, using yeah. the, the, Ma- the Mavericks combination. I recommend you don't use the Mike Uzzolino. I, was, I uh, use Stockton Malone quite a bit. Uh, the Heat combination, of course, the Bulls one. But Sonics guys. Oh, yeah. Great. Uh, Kemp, Kemp Payton, uh, that, that combination yeah. in the old classic NBA jam. And you can pre-order now from arcade1up.com. Arcade, the number one, then up.com. For an estimated early September ship date, um, other things there, Golden T, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $399. And we are giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a Locked On listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave or woman cave or cave or room or bedroom or wherever the hell else you want to put it. Arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, then the number one, up.com slash locked on. you got till July the 8th to enter to win an NBA Jam Shack edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? Cool. Let's um, talk about the next guy. That is Jabari Smith Jr., who you are more down on. And it appears that he is either going to be at number one or number two in this draft. And I'm guessing by this, Brian, that you wouldn't pick him at number one or two. Probably not. I think, curiously, I think the Magic are probably the team at the top who make the most sense because they just don't have shooting. Yep. Like you just need a guy who, if 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 the plan with Jabari Smith at one is this guy's going to be like, we we're going to run plays for him and get him open shots. I think he can work. The problem with Jabari is I just don't think he can really create for himself at the level you would want a number one pick to do. And maybe that's you know that's kind of a bias with how we think of number one picks. Like maybe he's the best player in this class. I certainly don't think he's he's in the group. I have a seven in his my top tier, and he's in that tier. Obviously, he's an excellent shooter. He's a very good defender. He's pretty young. He's at pretty good measurables. He moves pretty well, but he just doesn't have a lot of downhill momentum. Doesn't really put people on his hip and get past them. I don't know if it's a strength thing. It's it's a, it's a coordination thing. It's just like he obviously wants to be Kevin Durant. Like that's very obviously his his meant his idol. And it's like Kevin Durant puts people behind him and gets to the rim. And Jabari Smith either wouldn't or couldn't do it. And I'm not sure which is a which is more concerning. If he couldn't do it or he just chose not to, because Chris Middleton's shot diet is not, I don't know if that's the best path to be like a number one type option in the NBA. Yeah, you're the second person who said that Jabari Smith is the player that they are more down on than consensus. So maybe the consensus isn't as consensus as we think it is. And Mm. one of those concerns that I had with Jabari Smith is that we have this number one pick and we want them, as you said, with Ivy to have the ball in their hands. But does he ever profile as a guy that can be like 25, 26 above that usage? Or is he always going to be like a 2019, 21% usage guy who's just solid defensively, like he shoots pretty well, but you can't just give him the ball and go, well, we'll just run everything around you and you you do all that stuff for us. 
Yeah, I mean, the comparison, it's funny because I was very high on him relative to consensus before the season, and I had thought he was a top five to eight player because he was an excellent high school player. And it's really funny. My opinion has not changed that much on him. But yeah, I would say I'm lower on him because I don't think he's being treated sometimes like he's far and away the number one prospect, and that's just not. I don't think anyone would say that, really. Yeah. But that's kind of how draft things go. You know, mainstream draft, there has to be a guy at the top. Um, yeah, I don't. I just don't know if he's a play if he's a play creator as much as he is a play finisher. He's not really. There's some weird misnomers. I saw someone referred to him as that guy who shoots a lot of step backs, and it's like he took like eight. He doesn't shoot step backs. He shoots. He shoots the Paul George shot where he faces up, holds triple threats for four or five seconds, and then just shoots. And it's effective. It's hard to defend. Like he's got a really high release point. He's not going to get his shots blocked. He's just going to get contested. And I just don't. If he can do it, he can. If, you know, if he can do it, he'll be kind of a new kind of offensive engine guy who takes a lot of Kevin Durant shots without the Kevin Durant ball handling. And he's he's young. And like I said, he's there's nothing about him that tells me he's not going to be good. I just don't know. My comp for him was always Richard Lewis. I think he kind of shoots like Richard Lewis. And I, I'm a huge Richard Lewis fan. I loved Richard Lewis. He was not a number one option in the NBA on any team. If he's your number one option, you are a 12-win team. Yeah, like, well, this is, you know, you're saying you're more down on him. It's not saying that, like, he's a, he's terrible, he's a bust, he won't be good. It's just that you probably wouldn't take a, take him in the top two or top three of the draft, which is totally fine. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we're always, we're always looking for who's the guy, what drives the NBA. It's, you know, high usage, high switchability, high creation, all that sort of stuff. And maybe he doesn't profile to that. So I'm not sure if I had one of those two picks when there are other guys that are one in that area that are doing something at this elite level that I probably prefer those players in that area. So I think that that's important to note as well as if, if we say, like, I think I had him at three in my mock I did the other day and someone said, oh man, he's going to dominate. And how can you be so down? And like, it's, having him at three is not down on him. Like, it's still a pretty good area to have a player. And even if he's at four or five, they're plenty of good players that come in that mm-hmm. area. It's just, you know, what you're trying to take a swing on. And if it hits is more valuable than if he hits, if at his current level or current sort of archetype of play, it's not quite as valuable in that area. So I, I, I don't want to speak yeah. for you, but I assume that's sort of your thought process there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say in his, not, I don't know his defense, Auburn did have particularly, I don't want to say they're bad guards, but their two guards were ball hawks. Like they were, they were little guy shooter guards. They were not really running the offense, and so that may that may you know it may have put him in a, a worse position. They did have a lot of possessions where they would just throw him the ball with like seven seconds left, and it's hard to look like a shot creator in those contexts. But too often he just it, it settles is the wrong word. It's it's obvious that he's planning for these like nineteen footers contested. That's what he wants the whole time. And that's just not. I, I really don't think that's a way you can succeed in the NBA as like a primary scorer. And if he goes to the Magic, he may have to be because I don't know. Unless Franz is really their guy, which he could be. I, Franz was a pretty eclectic scorer last year, I would say. Let's one one last question on on Jabari mm-hmm. and his defense has been you know, mentioned as being really really good. How I don't know if this is true or not, but do you think that there is any impact of him? being able to produce at a defensive level because he had Walker Kessler behind him. Not that Walker yeah. Kessler's a great defender, but like an elite rim protector that enabled Jabari to do some different things out there. And having someone that was blocking four shots a game that, that Kessler was, um, it maybe gave not necessarily a mirage, but a little bit of a boost to how he looked defensively on a team like that. Well, I definitely think there's a little bit of, he's not a big man. 
I would not. I would Jabari is a is a tall wing. I would say he's three four more than he's a four three. Yep. Like I think he's his best use is going to be as a perimeter shot finisher and like a guy to really punish smaller wings who can't who just are not going to be able to contest his shot. So yeah, I think I think um, if any team thinks he's going to be like a four five or rotates over, like I he plays plays very fundamentally sound defense. He he should fit in most lineups, but yeah. I guess the positive for that is most NBA teams have a pretty good, like have at least one guy who can do something like Walker, like Walker did. Yeah. That's, and like, that's he's true. a good player. Like he's a good, like, I think he, his path of success is being like a Brooke Lopez type, just paint protector, just beating up everybody who comes in there and he can have a long career doing that, but there are probably 20 better rim protectors than, than him right now. And that's, I could probably say 30 or 40, honestly, but um. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's definitely something to help Jabari, but I think also his defensive upside doesn't really rely on big man defense much. Well, we're going to talk about a couple more prospects in a second. Before we do that, though, I'm going to tell you guys about Rock Auto, because if you're looking for parts for your car, there's absolutely no reason for you to go to a local chain auto parts store, or even worse, a dealership to get those parts, because it's going to charge you way more money. Why would you spend 30, 50, 70, even 100% more for those same parts, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even down to new carpet. Rock Auto has everything you would need. They are an online family business who have been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. So whatever parts you need, they're going to have them for you, and they're going to have them at a reliably low price. So head to rockauto.com and find all those parts that are available for your car or truck, and in their How Did You Hear About Us box, right locked on, so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Let's go away from the top half of the draft. Brian, let's go to the G League Ignite. And we're going to talk mm. about Michael Foster Jr., a 19-year-old, six foot nine forward from the G League Ignite, who scored pretty well. <clears throat> Averaged almost 18 points per 36 minutes. He shot 49% overall. He didn't really take many threes or really get to the line at all. Um, and only shot 31%. From three, rebounded at a pretty high level, really good uh, shot block numbers, 2.3 per 36 mm. minutes. But he's being projected basically at the end of the second round. There's some high scoring there and some good block numbers. Why doesn't that translate into a first-round prospect? Or maybe in your eyes it does. Uh, just some of his frame. Uh, he's he's one of those, he's 6'8 to 6'9, 240-ish, 250. He's kind of a center, like, game wise but he doesn't really have like the dominant size and i don't remember what he measured at his wingspan but i know it wasn't like impressive yeah, it was like a plus, so he's kind plus of two, in between three, positions a little bit i think that really hurts him um he also has to have the ball like he, he needs a lot of i don't know if post-ups are the right word but he just you need to run a lot of offense for him to really be effective otherwise he's just a garbage man and nothing wrong with that that's you know Garbage men, we, the NBA needs them. Look at the playoffs, how many guys are just feasting on... Kevon Looney is a great example. Um, but but I don't know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was kind of low on him as a high school player, and he was productive and like wasn't... He didn't hurt himself in the G League, I wouldn't say, but I wouldn't really say he made himself into really... As some kind of can't-miss prospect. I think what really hurts him, too, in this class is we've got not even Duran and Mark Williams. You've got Kessler, Coloco... Uh, uh, Khalifa Jop, Ishmael Kamagate. You've got a lot of like seven footers if you really need a backup center to choose from. And there's only going to be five or six of those guys drafted at maximum. And I don't know if he'll be one of them, but we'll see. 
Um, any like projectability with the three-point shooting? He only attempted one per game, which is like ten yeah. percent of his shots. It's a pretty low amount there. Hit him at thirty-one percent. Hit his free throws, not bad. Didn't get to the line a ton there either. But is there an ability? Um, they're not the same player, but in terms of you know, six foot nine ish or small, even six foot nine is too tall. But I was gonna say like smaller bodied guys who play center like a PJ Tucker. Obviously, he's a much yeah. higher high usage guy. But he, can he be a guy that hey, I I take threes now. I get give I get what's given to me, and yeah, I, I focus on being that that sort of um, big man in a smaller man's body. I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean. I'm of the opinion, and I've heard this from people who work in the NBA or work around the NBA. NBA development teams believe that they can teach, they can make basically anybody a decent spot up shooter, and I think they've been proven right on that. Like shooting corner threes or shooting on kickouts, most players in the league now can hit 30, 35 percent on that. If, if they really, if they're getting good looks, I would say the only guys who really can't are either the weirdos or you know the, the true seven footers. So yeah, there's no reason to think he can't do that. Um, I don't know. I'm just not like I'm not very sold on him as as a real paint presence. I guess with the league going smaller, you could play him at the four some. I just don't know how many teams are going to be playing guys who don't have any creation ability at the four and the five, unless one of them is like a knockdown shooter and he's not that. Let's but let's go to a guy. That'd be his path. Oh. That'd be his path to being a, a a legitimate impact player. I feel like yeah. Let's go to a guy who's probably going to be drafted a little bit higher. A guard out of Duke. Trevor Keels, 19 years of age, six foot five. The numbers, again, aren't particularly impressive. He played 30 minutes tonight. He averaged 11 points, 31% shooting. Couldn't hit his free throws at 67% there. Um, you know, steal numbers solid enough. Rebounds, three, yeah. three a game, three assists. He's six four with a plus two and a half inch wingspan. Um, he's young. He's got that only side. He hasn't turned 19 yet. Won't turn 19 until the end of August. So he's got that age. Um, yeah, in his corner. But you know, where, where does Keels Can he be a guy with a pretty solid assist to turnover ratio? Can he handle the ball in a backup unit? Can that shot project out? Do you think? I think the idea with Keels, and you're probably going to hear this, is that he's a Lugens Dort type of player. Okay. I just don't think he's that kind of. He doesn't have that kind of athleticism. He just isn't very impressive to me. He had a really great first game. Their uh, Champions Classic game. He was incredible. He was just bowling people. They were running the pick and roll with him. He was just getting past every guard who was on him, scoring at the rim like crazy. You you look at the guy and he, you think he can do that, and then he just kind of didn't the rest of the year. <laughs> like he just sort of stopped driving. Um, to an extent, that's a problem. Everyone on Duke had who wasn't Paolo Bencaro. Like they they all definitely had. They were smaller. It was his pond you know they say big fish and small pond that was his domain so everybody else in that team except i guess mark williams because he just did center stuff aj griffin didn't get a lot of on ball reps wendell moore had some keels had like if, if any of those three players had played on virginia or i mean that's maybe a bad choice but like nc state or something they would have had much higher usages and much more diverse offensive profiles but keels is my least favorite of that group i think because i just don't really see guard ability with him he's kind of a four almost he's like a his only real dominant trait is just that he's built like a tank and can run and and run is a decent athlete he's not he's an okay shooter he's an okay handler but he's not really special in anything i think the idea with him is you take him and let him develop for a year or two and he turns into like a 
starting two, three Okoro Lugans Dort type. And I think if you get if you get Lugans Dort in the second round, which is probably where Keels yeah. goes, you'd be pretty happy with that. But yeah, obviously that's the sort of that player doesn't grow on trees, and yeah, even Dort had to be found out of the undrafted uh, sort of scrap heap, I guess, for the Thunder. Let's talk about another guy, a little bit older. This guy, and that is a guy that played down here in the NBL, uh, French point guard, 21 years of age, six foot six, Hugo Besson, who is yeah good good size, but a minus wingspan, so good height is more more what I meant to say. Um, again, 31% shooting as a guard, we would love for that to be high, but he did hit his free throws at a high rate, and he did take a ton of threes. 52% of his shots were from deep. Um, overall, the shooting percentage was pretty rough. Is he any? Is there anything interesting here? Like compare him. I know this is stereotypical, but let's compare him to other French point guards that have come in over the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Theo Maladon, um, Killian Hayes. Where does he fit with those guys? Well, I, I was I was high on Killian, even if I shouldn't have been. Same. I think the real the thing with him, he's just a very aggressive scorer. He looks for his shot a lot. So the, some of the percentages you can forgive because the NBL, if nothing else, has proven that it is a league for grown men. Yeah. Like the talent level is not as high, but like you, you're going to get hit. If you play oh, yeah, that, like these are, yeah. Yeah. These are 30, 35 year old men. They're not going to let a teenager just push them around, which is why it's impressive when Giddy or Lamello pushes them around. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's proof of why a guy like Ushman Jang, I think had to really de- work on his game there. Cause he was definitely overwhelmed at the start of the year. Yep. from what I saw. Oh yeah. No, he's, uh, he was terrible to start, but Besson, I think, I think it just has like, I think he's got a good handle. I think he can run some basic stuff. Like I think he can be a bench guard who handles the offense for a few minutes at a time. And just the way he shoots, he does the interesting thing as a shooter that I really like is he sort of changes his release depending on where the, like what kind of shot he's um, like where he is. If he's right on the line, it's just kind of a nice, easy, repeatable three. But if he's behind the line, he goes kind of the Steph Curry heave. And, you know, that only really works for Steph Curry. But I think it's an interesting way to be like, a guy who puts pressure on defenses. I think he can do that. I have him top 45 because I, I really think he has some creativity and just what's the right word? Moxie, just aggressiveness as a scorer. I think could be really useful off the bench in the NBA. In like so, you said, he's got good height and he's not a huge liability other ways and other places. I don't think when you say yeah, he's top 45, do you think that there's any part of that being okay? that him in that spot is due to the, apparent lack of point guards in this class mm, yes yeah absolutely because uh it's it's pretty rough yeah it is <laughs> that's part of the reason i have ivy as high as i do is that like he's the one that's the only real shot i feel like i've had a star point guard in this class yeah they're, they're just they're just not there and for teams that are like yeah. are desperate for point guards you know the wizards and the knicks at 10 or 11 like they could either make a terrible mistake or they just shit out of luck like they're just not going to get to that to that guy because it's just not that player available really in that area yeah. Um, you mentioned him already, and I probably should have done this in a different order. But Wendell Moore, twenty-one-year-old, six-foot-six forward from Duke, another one of these players who there's going Duke's going to have a lot of guys drafted. Yeah, four or five of them probably end up getting drafted in the end. Um, you said that you liked more, yeah, a little bit more than you liked a uh, little bit. Tre- Trevor Just Kills. It's got a good, um, good wingspan, seven-foot wingspan for a six-six body. He's decent size there. He shot forty-one percent from three. And did it on a pretty decent amount of attempts. He averaged almost four and a half assists in 34 minutes as a wing. 
didn't score particularly well with huge uh, usage, but really good true shooting numbers, good three-point shooting, good free throw shooting, good passing, good steal numbers, all those things. Yeah, the, the high free, th- the good free throw rate, the good free throw percentage, the good three-point rate, the good passing numbers, the good assist to turnovers, the good steal rate, that all usually translates well mm-hmm. into the NBA. So is more one of these guys that might end up getting a little bit underrated. Like if he's an early second round pick, we've seen plenty of early second round picks become solid NBA players. Like just off the top of my head, Dylan Brooks, Malcolm Brogdon, two guys picked at the start of the second round who are you know, starting caliber NBA players. With more Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Is all of those statistical indicators there for more suggest that maybe he can be a guy that actually has an NBA career? I think he could have a career. I think the concern with him, you mentioned it before, he is a classic. He was not good his first year, and he was slightly better his second year. And then just kind of became, once they got kind of overloaded with talent, he was able to actually play well. He is he is pretty young for his, for his class. He was a little bit younger. And I think he did just have no idea what he was doing because the athleticism is pretty good, like you said. he's he's The other concern I have, there's two guys I can compare him to who were – in the same, well, one was much earlier, um, who are kind of downside comparisons. Um, for me, the poster child for any guy who shoots well as a senior after shooting poorly is Chandler Hutchison, who shot incredibly as a senior and then just not NBA, not even in, even in a league where every team is looking for six, seven guys, he can't get on the floor. Um, and then the other guy, the guy he actually kind of reminds me of is Jacob Evans, okay. who was similarly just like very well rounded and just didn't work out. I think Wendell is a little bit more explosive of an athlete than a guy like Jacob Evans and is like a really hard-edged kind of like he just plays really hard, he dives on the floor. So I think he absolutely can stick in the league. I just don't know. I think the question is, is he a sixth man or is he a tenth man? And like either one of those you can play for in the league for eight, nine years. It's just how effective you really are. And I'm not sure of that with him, but I'm more sure of that I'm more sure that Keels is not one of those guys than I am more. So that's why I have him higher. That's where you get when you get into the 40s and 50s, especially in the class like this. It's, it's, it becomes less like, how does this guy succeed? And then it's, how does this guy fail? And if you can't think of an obvious reason, then you have to keep him there, I guess. Is how, that's my methodology. Another thing that, that is interesting to me is, or, or to think about when classes are considered weaker, like, like this one is, is that players who maybe go back to college in the hopes of being in a weaker class of maybe getting drafted higher is mm-hmm. not maybe a red flag, but maybe a little bit of an orange flag. It's like, oh, if I stay around, there's not as many talented guys coming out, so then I'll look a little bit better or I won't be playing against as many talented players. But the age thing you brought up with him is interesting. He's probably, he is a junior, so he's played three years in college, but he's the age of a sophomore and he's what, like two years younger than like Keegan Murray. Um, yeah. He's not even, he went, he'll turn 21 in the middle of September, which again is basically a usual sophomore type of age. The last guy we're going to talk about, Brian, because I've had so many people ask me about this guy because evidently I have a large proportion of listeners that are from the Philippines. <laughs> so let's talk about Kai Soto, who played again here down in the NBL this season. He is a seven foot two center. He is um, he's twenty years of age. He just turned twenty. He played. Um, yeah, what did he play? I'm just looking. Twenty three games. He only played fifteen minutes a night. Again, we, I want to bring him up because so many people are asking this question about Soto. I don't think that he will get drafted. I think that he might 
He might get drafted in terms of the way that Satnam Singh got drafted, but I'm not sure <laughs> that there's an NBA contract in there for Soto. So, what's do you do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, he's been an interesting guy for three or four years now. I think he can shoot. Like I think the shooting is what did he shoot this year? Thirty yeah, something, thirty thirties, high thirties. Yeah. So I think I think the, the appeal is a seven foot two shooter, which is you know still pretty rare. But I just don't think he's an NBA caliber athlete in any way. Not nothing I've ever seen from him in the last three years. I just don't know if he can handle the physicality. Like people bring this up with Chad Holmgren, but Chad Holmgren has been able to do all the same stuff he does everywhere he's played, and he's never really gotten hurt. And he's always. I just think it's a mentality thing. I kind of would like Kai Soto to be good, and I definitely think he'll at least get a. He probably will get a summer league invite. Oh, and that'd be interesting sure. to see. I think he'd look. But also, sure he gets that, really, like you, you, I mean. You and I might get summer league invites at some point. Like it's they'll they'll invite anybody there. I hit Carlos Boozer's brother played for the Bulls once. I remember uh, that. Charles Charles Boozer. Charles Boozer. <laughs> I hit uh, I hit a half court shot at summer league uh, one day. So maybe <laughs> maybe my invite's still coming. I'm still waiting to for that uh, for that invite to arrive. But yeah, I look- finished third in a knockout tournament, oh, a media day knockout tournament. Dave Yeager distracted me and made me lose. That's my that's my basketball highlight at summer league. <laughs> there you go. We've all got a story. We're all ready for our invite. But yes, Soto again. The size is there. The shooting is there. It was on limited attempts. He only attempted 0.6 per game in his 15 minutes. But maybe that can happen. Who knows? We just don't think yeah. that there's going to be that. Again, we talked about this right back at the start of the show. Like we don't expect many of these seven foot guys to actually be drafted or to be impact guys. And there is probably mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of those guys who are way ahead of where Soto is at the moment. But yeah, there'll be that opportunity to see him in summer league. But I just wanted to cover him off because again, plenty yeah. of people have been requesting that. Brian, that'll bring us to the end of today's show. So tell people where they can find you on social and also your Patreon when the draft content you've got over there. I am... Brian J. Draft on Twitter. It's my only username. Never had another one. Uh, and then on Patreon, I am Brian J. NBA, which is spelled the same as my Twitter, just with NBA instead of draft. I don't know why I did that. I should have done both. Um, yeah, I, I just put out my capsule big board, which is I'm going to work on a little bit, but it's about 90 so pages of, of sort of strengths and weaknesses. And I do a lot of stats that I think are, I pick up, choose about 10 or 15, whatever fits on a line of stats that I think are relevant to these players. And, you know, I just have like tier rankings and all this stuff. And I go up to 150 players. I have listed. I only really do blurbs or so for half of that, but that's still 75 players. That's, that's enough for a draft. So that your capsule big board, is that available for everybody? Yes, it is free as of a couple days ago. Well, I'm so. going to chuck the link for that then in the show notes of this for the audio and also in the description of the YouTube video. So you can go check out Brian's, 2022 capsule big board where he discusses all the players and puts all those numbers in there. Brian, thanks again for coming on the show and chatting about these draft prospects with me. Thank you for having me. And that will do it for today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, you know what to do. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.